and all the time. Amen. Yes, he is. If you believe that, would you clap your hands one more time? You believe that God is good. If he's been good to you, why don't you go ahead and clap your hands and give him an ovation of thanksgiving. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. The presence of the Lord is in this place. I believe that it's in this atmosphere, it's, it's a perfect time to take a need to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Our dear sister, Brittany Coleman, received some tragic news the other day of the unexpected, an unexpected passing of an aunt of hers in Mississippi. And she's going to be traveling back this week to be there for the funeral and services. And we want to pray that God would not only protect her as she travels, but that God would just be with her and comfort her and her family. If some, some ladies from the church, why don't you gather around Sister Brittany. Amen. We're so thankful for what God has done and is doing in her life. And we, we believe that this, this moment did not take God by surprise. Amen. But God has brought you through some things here recently and given you some things to prepare you. Mighty God, we come before you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the saving and delivering and empowering work that you have done recently in her life. And Lord, you saw the end from the beginning. You are the author and finisher of her faith. Lord, this has not taken you by surprise, but I believe that even in a dark and tragic situation that you could allow your light to shine on her and in her and through her. I pray that you would be with her as she travels. I pray for her family, that you would comfort and take them up in your arms and speak peace into this situation. I pray, Lord, that you will breathe even now upon her heart and upon her faith. I pray, Lord, that your spirit in her would work through her, ministering grace, ministering comfort and peace that this world cannot give that's unexplainable in this situation to her and through her in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe, Lord, that this is not taking you by surprise, but you have grace that is sufficient and your strength that can be made perfect in our weakness. When our words fail us, when our hearts fail us, Lord, your strength can step in and be made complete in our weakest hours. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Lord God, we love her. You love her. And our prayers are with her. Thank you, Jesus. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you would and are able to, would you stand together with me as we turn our attention to the gospel according to John. John chapter 11. Gospel of John chapter 11. We'll begin our reading with verse 17. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I just, I've got to say this. It's on my heart. Amen. It's so great to see Bob and Cindy Kep. Amen. We were so excited to see Bob baptized in the name of Jesus and thrilled about the work that God is doing in, in both of their lives. Amen. How many knows that when you're married, it's not really possible for the work of God to be isolated to one person in the marriage? Sure, there's times, and, and perhaps you're even living currently in a situation where, where your spouse is not walking with the Lord. Amen. But that doesn't mean that God's not working in that home, that God's not working in that marriage. Amen. But we're th so thankful that the one who authored marriage, he cares about our marriages. 
John chapter 11, verse 17. The Bible says, Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. That's in order. That's good. The Bible says that we ought to grieve with those that grieve. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she left those that were comforting her and went to meet Jesus. But Mary sat still in the house. I'm beginning to gather that Mary doesn't do things very quickly. <laughs> Every time I see her, she's sitting. Don't hate on Mary, though. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha, when she, when she got to Jesus, and to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. Wow. <laughs> that seems pretty brave for someone to say. Right in the face of Jesus. But you know, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus loved Martha, loved Mary, loved Lazarus. They were close friends of his. And you know, when you're close friends, you can kind of, you can say some things, maybe that you can't just say to anyone. And I'm so glad that we have a friend in Jesus. He's not turned off by our sincerity and sometimes even our frustration. But as a loving father, he bears with us. Martha goes on, says, I know, even now, can you, can you hear it as you read the words, just kind of her voice? If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. But I know, even now, Whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus says unto her, thy brother shall rise again. To the point, straightforward. Martha said unto him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection. I, I'm not with the Sadducees. The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. I, I believe in the resurrection. He'll rise again at that last day. And Jesus he kind of clarifies. Listen, the one that you're talking to, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Praise God. How many believes in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? Thank you, Lord. Why don't you lay your Bibles and devices down and let's lift our hands together, amen, unto the Lord and ask him to speak to us in the next few minutes and do whatever he wants to do in the remainder of this service. Father, we love you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment. We believe, oh, Lord, that your presence is here and that your word is desiring to go forth. I pray that our hearts, our minds, our ears, Lord, will be ready to receive the word of God into the good soil of our hearts, that that seed, which is the word, 
will find good soil to bear down root and to bear up fruit. Lord, we want to not only hear but to reply, to respond to what we hear in prayer, sealing what has been spoken. Lord, I pray, have your way. You receive all the glory and all the honor. Everyone say in Jesus' name. And why don't we say amen by clapping our hands one more time unto the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm here to preach to you for a little while about resurrection power. Resurrection power. Amen. Amen. That's, that's exactly what Jesus was trying to introduce to Martha here in the story. Her brother had been dead now for four days. Frustration was there, hurt was there, there, and hurt, if not properly dealt with, will turn into the secondary emotion, which is anger. And anger, if not properly handled, will turn into bitterness and resentment, and there is a separation and that's why, whether it's in our relationship with the Lord, our relationship with our spouse, our relationship with others, we've got to close that circle of conflict, that circle of offense. We've got to find a place where we can resolve things, hurts and emotions that are real, that are genuine, that need to be communicated. And that's what Martha was doing. She was communicating her hurt. She was communicating her frustration. But Jesus was trying to clarify that her brother shall rise again. And, and it's, not, it's not some later day. It's a, it's, it's a two-day. It's a two-day kind of a, a resurrection that he had in store for her. But this is not the first time in the Word of God that we find evidence of the power of the resurrection. Now, of course, we could go to the Old Testament. There's one marvelous story about a prophet named Elisha. Elisha was the successor of a great prophet named Elijah. You kind of remember Elijah, Elisha, Elijah, Elisha, Elisha coming after Elijah. And he wanted something so badly. He wanted the power of God that Elijah, his predecessor, walked with. He, want, he didn't just want what he had. He wanted a double portion. If memory serves me right, I, I believe that you could account in the word of God for seven miracles that Elijah performs that are notable miracles. Of course, he walked in the power of God. His words were the words of the Lord. But, but then we see Elisha, and Elisha performs 13 miracles, notable miracles recorded in Scripture, and he dies just shy of doubling the notable miracles listed in Scripture, until, until the bones of Elisha are touched by a dead body that shares the grave with him. And when they throw this dead body into the tomb or the grave of Elisha, and it touches the bones, the dry bones of Elisha, that dead body comes back to life. Now, let me tell you, that's pretty cool. I don't care who you are. Man, you know, you see in the New Testament some kind of, if I could say it this way, some neat miracles, right? Some neat miracles, things that are pretty neato. Hey, the 90s are coming back. And, and uh, 
you know, you, you read about Peter and James and John doing some incredible things. And like we talked about recently, how Peter and John took a man that had never been able to walk in his life and raising him up, and he'd been able to walk. And, and, and shortly after that, we see a, a, a crazy miracle, if we could call it a miracle, where Ananias and Sapphira, this husband and wife, they, 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 they conspired together to lie in church to the apostle Peter. And Peter says, you ain't lying to me, you're lying to the Holy Ghost. And here we are, the, 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 the infancy of the church, the church is just coming up off the ground. We see Ananias and Sapphira, they look at others, they're selling property, they're turning in the profit and proceeds into the church to help meet the needs of, of, of needs inside of the church. Ananias and Sapphira see people being recognized for that kind of thing, and they're like, well, we kind of like some recognition too. And we got some property we ain't doing anything with, we're going to sell that property. But you know what? We're going to just... We're going to act like we're giving it all, but we're just going to hold some back. We're going to pretend. Another word for pretending is lying. <laughs> God takes very, very serious lying. If you want to know how serious God takes lying, just look at the book of Revelation where he lists all the people that are going to have their part in the lake that burns with fire. Everybody say hell. I did it again. I just got everyone to say that once before I told myself, don't get everyone to repeat after you when you say that word. But, but when he lists all those that will have their part in hell among them, I mean among the worst of the worst, he says, and all liars. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, you think it's just a little white lie. You think it's innocent. It's not going to hurt anybody. But God's taking notes. He cares about your honesty. I'll tell you how much he cares about your honesty. When the church in its infancy was looking to bring up some ministry leaders, there were some qualifications they had to hit. They had to be full of wisdom. They had to be full of the Holy Ghost. They had to be full of faith. But you know what made the top of the list? Oh, the Holy Ghost is important. Faith is important. Wisdom is important. But he said, make sure that if someone's going to lead the church, they have an honest report. Make sure they're honest. Why? Because God cares about honesty. God cares about shunning lies. In fact, when he characterized Satan, he said that Satan is a liar. In fact, he's the father of all lies. Oh, he cares about it. And so when he sees lying in the church, going back to our neato miracles, and Peter says, you ain't lying to me. You're lying to the Holy Ghost. And Ananias dropped dead. Man, that's intense. Ananias drops dead. Young man in the church, carry him out. Front row, boys. Carried out. Hopefully no one drops dead today. Hopefully someone's raised back to life today. The young men carried out Ananias later on. Some times went by, Sapphira comes in. Man, these, these cats, I mean, Sapphira comes in and she's looking to perpetuate the same lie. Look at how much money we're giving to the church. We're giving everything. You know, I don't know about what they're giving, but 
we are giving everything. Peter's like, are you serious? You're just going to lie to the Holy Ghost? Listen, that front row of boys, they carried out your husband who died a little while ago by God. They're going to carry you out. She just collapsed and dies. God took care of his church. Might make you think twice about lying, being deceptive in a place that is supposed to be a refuge of truth, a place where truth is declared. You say, well, man, I don't know why God did that. If God is love, then why in the world would he do that? First of all, it's not your job to be the judge of God. It's God's job to be the judge of us. And nobody can sit in that place but God. Now you could sit back and you could fold your arms and you could get crossways with God and think that the way he does things isn't the way things should be done. But last I checked, it's his universe and also it's his church and he knows what he's doing. You say, well, I don't think that's fair. <laughs> you tell me what is. You find someone else that wants to sit in that place of judge, and you tell me how fair he is. You tell me how fair we're, we're looking to nominate a, another Supreme Court justice, and, and you might argue with the way that they handle business and the decisions that they make. But let me tell you, the God of this world and this world is in a place where life is not fair. And God is not interested in what we think is fair. God's interested in building his kingdom and declaring his name and letting being truth be the paramount picture in our lives. Truth. Now, why, why did you tell this story about, you know, this is, I, I thought you were going to talk about resurrection power. We're talking about people dying. Well, let's get back to that. The Bible says that after Ananias and Sapphira carried out and buried, the Bible says that people looked around and said, whew, man, these apostles, they're, I, I don't know if I want to be an apostle. I'm not ready to just kind of like quickly jump into that. They, they are, they're the power of God. They are God's representatives and they're speaking. And, and the Bible says that they were magnified in the eyes of the people. But read on, the church multiplied. Up to this point we see addition. Now we see multiplication. And back to the Nido miracles, the Bible says that they, there came a time where Peter was walking and people would bring out sick folks and lay them in the streets. Just perhaps the shadow of Peter would fall on those who were sick and they were made whole. Talking about that power, that resurrection power. We see it you know, in the story of Elisha, we, we read about it now in, in the gospel according to John about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. But we could see a couple of other, other places where Jesus demonstrated this power. One is found in Mark chapter 5, one of my favorite chapters in the gospels. If you ever want a little increase to your faith, read Mark chapter 5. It is one miracle story after another after another. You read about Jesus causing a man who had been filled with thousands of devils being set free in a moment by the word of the Lord. You see a woman that had been sick for 12 years being completely made whole when she touched just a piece of the clothing of Jesus and by the word of the Lord. And then you see a certain ruler 
who had a daughter that was sick and right there close to death's door. But I'm so glad for a parent that knows where to turn when their baby is in need of some serious help. And like this father, I thank God for some parents in this room that know you ought to turn to Jesus. When the hour is dark and your baby is lost or sick or hurting or perhaps even dying, and he turned to Jesus. And Jesus agreed to go with them. And by the time Jesus gets there, after a delay because of the traffic on the way there, she's already dead. She had just died. And Jesus enters the room and he tells all the people, all the professional mourners, all the people that, that it's like they felt like it was their job to boo-hoo and cry. I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm not even exaggerating. In this culture and in this time, there were people that they were almost like paid to come and to put on this big show and to weep and to cry and to wear certain clothing to make a big ado of someone's passing. Why are you smiling, Sister Walker? (laughs) I've been to places like that. I've been to some funerals like that. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Throwing shade, I'm not, I'm not speaking negatively about that, but that, that was just what was. It, it was like they, they, they went from hoping for a miracle to immediately just devastated. And Jesus enters that situation, that context. He says, get out of here. I want you guys to go ahead and go out of the room. Go ahead and go out. I just, I just need a few. I just, if Peter and James, John with me, her parents, all right, everyone else out of the room. He excuses everyone out of the room. What? Crying. Terrible. Get out of the room. And he looks at the girl and says, Talitha Kumai. Maiden, arise. And Jesus steps into a situation where a girl had just died. And speaks life, speaks resurrection. And she sits up. And he says, hey, get, get her something to eat. Get, get her something to eat. She's, she's doing all right now. To Jesus, waking her up from the dead is no different than you trying to wake up somebody from a nap. It was no big deal to Jesus. He rose her from the dead. Wow. What power, what demonstration of power that Jesus could just speak to this girl that had died. Breath had gone out of her body. Get up. And she and was alive. The next situation is where Jesus, he, he finds himself in a funeral procession. He's, he's, it would be like he's driving down the road. You ever been in a situation where you see a funeral procession going by? Does anyone feel like you're, you're not really sure what to do at that point? No, just me. I've, I've been conflicted because I married a girl from Kentucky. And I understand that in Kentucky, it don't matter if it's four-lane highway. If there is a funeral procession, you pull over, you halt all traffic, nothing happens until the funeral procession goes by. It's just paying due respect. (laughs) My wife, she told me a story recently where she saw a funeral procession, and she pulled over, and there was a person in a trailer with his headlights on and flashers on, 
and coming up alongside the procession and then got over into the procession. They, oh, he's like, oh, he just caught up to get in the procession. And then about a mile down the road, turned off and got on the exits. He didn't. He did. And and Jesus, he's, he's going on down the road, and he sees this funeral procession, and he sees this widow following the coffin, and it was her only son. He's in the coffin. They're on the way to the cemetery. Jesus stops the procession. Most stop for the procession. Jesus stops the procession. Most stop for mourners, Jesus stops the mourning and he says, hold on. And he touches the coffin and causes a man in the coffin to rise up out of the coffin alive. Woo. Girl had just died, raised back to life. Man who had been dead on his way to the grave, raised back to life. Awesome power. Resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That's the kind of Jesus I serve. That's the kind of Savior I serve. He is able. He is able. It reminds me of how the psalmist says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I'll tell you what comes in the morning. The sun rises. Not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. Jesus Christ, when he rises, he brings joy. He brings life. He brings resurrection power. Praise God. Praise God. If you're thankful for his resurrection power, would you clap your hands together now? And now we, we find ourselves in John chapter 11, and Lazarus had been now dead for four days. Four days. We see this exchange between him and Martha. Later on, it's between him and Mary. She finally gets up to get around and go in to see Jesus, and they have pretty much the same discussion. And, 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 and he gets to where the tomb is, and he sees all of the, the weepers, the mourners, all those that grieve Lazarus, and, and, and were trying to comfort Martha and Mary. And the Bible says that when he arrived, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. I've said this before, but I think it bears repeating. I, I, I find it interesting in John chapter 11, verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible. That's just a little Bible trivia for you. If you ever play Bible trivia, shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. The next scripture says that the Jews or the onlookers that were there that day, when they saw that Jesus wept, they said, behold how he loved him. In essence, when they saw Jesus shed tears, they knew that Jesus loved the man who was in the tomb. If Jesus would shed tears and it would cause the people to marvel at how he loved him, then what can we conclude about the shed blood of Jesus Christ? He did more than shed tears. He shed his blood. He said, take away the stone. And Martha spoke up, said, now, Lord, I'm, I'm really glad you came, even though you came late. And if you didn't know, he's been dead for a while. For the disrespect, but 
There's some unpleasantries. He stinks. Because, because dust is returning to dust. This, this body of corruption. It's decaying. We might even say that we're, we're all in varying states of decay right now, right? It's like you grow to a certain point, but after that, it's like the wrinkly picture that I put up on Wednesday night, right? Wednesday night, showed the wrinkly man through the filter, no wrinkles. You put the filter on. It ain't fooling nobody. And Lazarus was doing more than getting wrinkly. He was getting stinky. It had been four days. His body was, was decaying. But the resurrection just showed up. He hadn't just died. He wasn't just on his way to the tomb. He had been, been there for four days. Just let that sink in. I know, you've, I know you know the story. I know you're waiting for me to get to the end and, and to dismiss. You got lunch plans. But what, what is it that, that just died in your life? What is it that, that you're on your way to the grave with? What is it that's been dead now for four days? In fact, it's kind of, it's kind of stinky at this point. <laughs> You, in fact, thinking back over this past week, maybe even over the past 24 hours, those words have come out of your mouth. This stinks. Right? This stinks. Maybe you had a few other words, a few other choice words. I'm not talking about cussing, Brother Parker. <laughs> Hopefully nobody's cussing. You get that out of your mouth. <laughs> I'm teasing you, but... No, we've, we've had some choice words. We've just been fed up. We, we've kind of had the same emotions like Martha. You know, Lord, if you, had, if you would have just been here, if you would have just showed up, I wouldn't have gone through all this mess. If you would have just showed up, my dreams wouldn't have been crushed. If you would have just showed up, my baby wouldn't have died. If you would have just showed up, the divorce wouldn't have if and you could go on down the if you would have showed up i wouldn't have lost my job if you would have showed up i would have had my bills paid on time i thought you're my provider i thought you're my protector i thought you're my healer can we just be real in the room for just a moment cuz you all have been there i have been there where I'm a little fed up, I'm a little frustrated, I'm hurt, and hurt is turning to anger, and anger, if left unresolved, will turn to bitterness, and bitterness will develop a root that will destroy my walk with God because he didn't come through when I thought he should have came through. Jesus still presses Roll the stone away. I know, I know it stinks. I know, I know you've been disappointed, but I'm telling you, I'm the resurrection. And I could bring dead things back to life. If I could raise a man by the bones of a dead prophet, what do you think I could do with your life? What do you think I could do with your marriage? What do you think I, 
What do you think I can do with your kids? What do you think I can do with your situation? Oh, if you believe he's the resurrection and the life, would you clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you got to roll away the stone. You got to move the thing that is going to hinder the miraculous resurrection power of Jesus Christ from being put on display and demonstrated in this dead situation. Move the stone. I'll take care of things after that. Lazarus, come forth. And those words that thundered with power, that woke the dead back to life, they did not come forth one second before that stone was rolled away. What stone in your life needs to be rolled and removed out of the way? Jesus has a word for the dead things in your life, but he's waiting for you to roll away the stone. Get rid of it. What's stopping? What's hindering? What's coming between you and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? Roll it away. I'll tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take obedience. It's going to take obeying the word of the Lord, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it stinks, even when you think it's hopeless. Obey, obey, obey the word of the Lord. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. I can't comprehend it. I can't figure it out. He doesn't need you to figure it out. He doesn't need you to understand it. Oftentimes in my life, by my experience, submission and obedience often came before understanding. And sometimes understanding never showed up. But I'll tell you what did. The miraculous resurrection power of Jesus Christ showed up. Woo! I wish someone would understand the power of your submission and the power of your obedience to the word of God. You ought to stand on it. You ought to put one foot in front of the other. You don't have to feel like it. You don't have to even think. Just go ahead and do what God is asking you to do. He will, he will show up. It will happen just like he said it will happen. And you thought he showed up late. When you look back now, he showed up right on time. He may not come when you want him to, but he'll show up right on time. You know why he shows up on time? Because he's the one that made time. It's in his hands. He's the father of time. Thank you, Lord. Resurrection power of Jesus Christ showed up to a very dead situation, a lifeless and stinking and corrupt, corrupting body, decaying situation. Seemed like the situation grew worse and worse until it seemed like it couldn't get any worse. Couldn't get any worser. Jesus said, that's when I'm going to show up. Uh, the widow in name, couldn't he have showed up before he died? The daughter, 
of Jairus, couldn't he showed up before she died? I don't, I don't claim to understand how God works, but I come to proclaim that God does indeed work. He doesn't make sense to me most of the time, but he's the one that hung the stars in their places and gave each of them a name. He put the universe into motion, and he knows the end of my days from the beginning of my days. I'm just going to trust him. I'm just going to obey him. I'm going to roll that stone and wait for his word. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I may not get to where I thought I was going to go, but I feel like I'm going to end here. Let me just share this word real quick, and, and we're going we're gonna to just obey the Holy Ghost for the next few minutes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus can do what you can't do. But oftentimes he limits himself because nobody can limit God but himself. And he will put boundaries on his power. And he will limit himself so that you will do things that you can do. So that he can then do what you can't do. Can I tell you that the power of the resurrection is in this place? And can anyone testify this ain't the first time? As they say, this ain't our first rodeo. We've been here before where the Holy Ghost has poured out and demonstrated his power. Our hearts were touched, lives were changed, and souls have been saved already in this room. We've only been here for three months, but Jesus has already done some incredible and miraculous things right here in this building. But let me share with you a secret, and I hope you hear me. Listen, God is a provider. But God's miraculous provision that you may experience in this room does not condone poor mismanagement of our resources out there. If I go out there and I spend all my paycheck on frivolous things and things I don't need but just want, and then I point my finger at God and why he didn't provide for me, I felt your presence. I felt your power. Your resurrection power was in that room. But on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, I spent everything I had on frivolous things, things that I want because I'm trying to keep up with the rest of the world. And then I get here on Sunday, and I say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Here's a few dollars. I can't pay tithes this week. God, listen, I, I've been struggling. I've been struggling with, 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 with discouragement. Uh, I might even call it depression. I, I'm struggling, Lord God, emotionally, mentally, Lord. My mind is, 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 is in pain. I feel exhausted. I feel fatigued. You come in here and you get touched by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Minister lays his hands on you. You speak in tongues. Tears roll down your cheeks. But you go out of this room and you eat whatever you want. And you go to bed at all hours of the night. Midnight, one, two, three in the morning. You're late to work. You feel horrible. You're behind on your bills because of mismanagement of resources. And you wonder where your mind is. And it's, it, it, you feel fatigued. You feel tired. It's time to roll the stone away. 
it's time to realize that my spirit is intertwined with my body and my body with my mind. And I can't abuse my body and my mind and expect my spirit to make up the rest. devil takes Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple, the highest place of the religious epicenter of the day. You talk about a spiritual high, literally spiritual high. And the devil says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself off of here. The angels, the word of God says it, the angels will keep you from hurting yourself. Jesus says, it is written Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Don't you dare blame God. Hurt, grow angry and bitter and resentful against God. Because you don't go to sleep at a decent hour. You don't eat good things. You don't, you watch trash. Come on, somebody. Get the stone out of the way. Stop complaining about the promise of your life being dead, but you still haven't moved the stone. Do what God has asked you to do and take care of the temple of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. But hear me right now, because some of you, you could easily preach with me right now while I'm preaching this kind of stuff. Because you're self-disciplined types of folks. You organize some things in your life. You've got labels on your drawer. You are regimented. You look regimented in the dictionary. It's got your picture next to it. But don't you make a mistake on the other side of that spectrum. Because that which has begun in the spirit, it's impossible for it to be perfected in the flesh. Don't you dare start to micromanage Jesus Christ and put him on your calendar and in your schedule. And if he doesn't fit, then oh well, I tried. I've got a plan here. I can't mess up my plan. Uh-uh. It doesn't make sense, Martha. I know he stinks. Roll away the stone. It might not be poor management of your resources or your life, but can it be that you are scheduling Jesus Christ right out of the equation? Roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. Could you stand with me? Roll away the stone because he's here and he's got resurrection power in his hands, in his voice, and he could speak to some things that are seemingly dead and hopeless in your life. Lazarus, come forth. I, I don't know. I can't see how that's going to happen. <laughs> you catch a whiff of what's coming out of that grave? Aren't you so glad that Jesus didn't let the Wait, wait for the poles to come in before he performed the miraculous. Lazarus comes hopping out in grave clothes. All right. 
I did what nobody thought I could do. Church, come on, take off these gray clothes. There's another stage in this miracle. Woo! You know what you read in the next chapter? Brother Perry, you read about a house that is filled to capacity. And they didn't just show up to see Jesus. They showed up to see Lazarus. That happened after a people obeyed Jesus Christ, rolled away the stone. The resurrection power intervened and did the impossible. And the church got together and said, let's unwrap these grave clothes. And the church was filled up. I feel like somebody, the Lord is ministering to you in this service right now. I would that you would raise your hands, even now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and allow his spirit to softly and sweetly begin to move and stir and speak into your life right now. I don't know.